0: Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each month will consist of two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get to work.
1: Ray, I want to welcome to you. Welcome you to the Let's Get to Work podcast, and we're really happy and pleased to have you be with us today. I am Rosanna Bodry, and I'm part of the Employment Committee, and I will be interviewing you today for this podcast. And I first off want to say I found your bio very interesting, and there's several things that I guess would be. Pertinent to talk about in this particular interview. I'd like to start though with some of your background. Can you tell us a little bit about who you were as a child and how uh, you came into the work world as you were getting older?
0: Sure. Um, So um, I've been blind all of my life. I grew up on a farm. And uh, one of the things that um, farm life taught me, we raised corn, soybeans, uh, hogs, cattle, uh, and that up in Northern Illinois. And, um, one of the things that farm life taught me was hard work and, you know, and, and a good, strong work ethic because, you know, those animals don't care if it's 20 below zero or a hundred above zero, they still need to get fed. They still need to get taken care of. And, um, so you know it was from the farm and my parents that I really learned a lot of the you know things that have served me well as far as you know good work ethic um you know things like uh being responsible getting to work on time, being responsible, you know working working with the being able to work with other people, some of those kinds of things so those things really served me well. I um, graduated from a school for the blind. graduated from the Wisconsin School for the Visually Handicapped in 1983. And then went on to uh, get my associate's degree in data processing uh, from North Central Technical College in uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. And um, while I was there, uh, my, my thought was that I wanted to, one of the things about farm families at that time is that it always seemed like the the kids went on and did something in the agriculture world. Well, I obviously wasn't going to be a farmer. And so it was kind of like, well, maybe I can find something else to do in the world of agriculture. So at the time, computers and technology were starting to become a little bit more, uh, you know, you needed to know about them. And um, I um, just uh, decided, well, I'm going to get my associate's degree and then I'll go on to the University of Illinois. and. You know, to into some, for something in agriculture, agricultural communications or something like that. Well, as I went through tech school I, and got closer to graduation, I realized that there were some high profile companies that would employ people from our school and uh, our data processing program. So long story short, I graduated in 1986, was immediately hired by eight, then at t Bell Laboratories in uh, Naperville, Illinois, which is a west suburb of Chicago. And uh, moved down here, worked there for over 15 years uh, in the data processing. I did uh, some programming, some software testing, documentation work, uh, and a lot of different things. 2001 hit after 9/11. Uh, unfortunately, I was laid off. So, so going into uh, AT and T is it really got me started into the work world, and um, I have had an interesting career. I you know, went worked there 15 and a half years after nine months uh, following being laid off after nine months of looking for work. Um, and it was funny, I, I joked because I went on unemployment with the state of Illinois and they said, you know, we can call your records in any time that we want to. So you need to be definitely out searching for work. And I said, well, you know what my first question is going to be when you do that is how much paper do you have in your fax machine? Because I will be looking for work. (laughs) No problem there. I took it took three years and I actually worked at a center for independent living doing information, referral, peer support, advocacy type work. And that was interesting. The person that had been doing the job before me um, moved on, and I thought that you know maybe I could uh, do that. Well, I I enjoyed that work, but I really missed technology. And so then came the opportunity with the Chicago Lighthouse uh, that I mentioned in my bio uh, to run the help desk. I started there in 2005, and. uh, the rest, um, you know, went to work the lighthouse for almost six years. Uh, worked uh, to help establish an accessibility practice for about four years, and now i am working happily working over six years for United Airlines.
1: Wow, you've had a long road. That's for sure. I definitely right? have. Yes. Yes, you've had a long road. Did you move from Wisconsin to Illinois? Is Wisconsin where you grew up originally no, I- on the farm?
0: No, I actually grew up in uh, Rockford, Illinois, uh, on the farm, or about, which is about 90 miles northwest of Chicago. I went up into Wisconsin to uh, uh, to uh, attend school, both at the School for the Blind. The, one of the things that the Illinois School for the Blind was like 250 miles from my parents' home. Wisconsin's school was in uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, only about 20 miles from home. And so... We made some arrangements so I could go into Wisconsin and so I could go home on the weekends if I wanted to and things like that. So that's how I ended up in Wisconsin, getting my education. And I came back to Illinois essentially then to uh, and moved into the Chicago area to uh, for work. And that's pretty much where I've been.
1: How did you uh, come across the AT&T employment? Was that was your first job in Illinois after you graduated, correct? Yes, it was. Okay.
0: Well, um, actually, um, at t Bell Labs actually came to our campus and did some campus recruiting. And so I, um, had interviewed with them and, uh, you know, basically, uh, i trying to remember how all this happened, but, um, anyway, um, I, you know, I gave them my resume and, um, you know, they, you know, they did some on-campus interviews with me and, you know, thought that maybe I would, uh, you know, that there, if there may be some opportunities there. Well, I it was a few weeks after that, I think that we heard that they were having a hiring freeze and, uh, Oh, I was like, okay, great. Well, no, this, this is not going to happen. Well then, and then about a week or two later, I get a phone call saying, Hey, we'd like you to come down for a day of interviewing. And, So they uh, had me, I was in, I was back, I was up in Wisconsin at the time up in, uh, Wausau. They flew me down to Chicago, uh, put me up in a hotel and I had a whole day of interviewing with different, uh, different people. So it came from a campus recruiting event is basically what happened. There were, there were several companies that would, would recruit and, uh, uh, on campus at the time, American family insurance was a big one, um. And mm-hmm. several others, and so it, it, that came from from that. Um, when I interviewed, um, I, uh, you know, I I think was kind of like you know. I think after I think maybe it was after I, I interviewed that that we heard about the hiring freeze, and we're like, well, okay, you know, well, this isn't going to happen, so I'll just continue. Uh, you know, I was I wasn't taking classes, but I was helping out with some programs at the tech school Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, and that and uh but then I was at school at the school one day and got a that page to the front desk and they said your mother called uh somebody from AT&T called them they wouldn't say what they wanted all they said was they had good news so I said then they gave me the message who to call so I Mm -hmm. called them Went down. Was sitting in the student lounge. I left a voicemail, or left a message at the time. They didn't have much of it, much voicemail and stuff. Left a message and um, went down to the student lounge and was sitting around talking to some of my friends. This one guy come running down. He said, "Ray, somebody's on the phone for you at the front desk. Grab on!" And we were running down through the hallways. Got up there and they said, well, "How would you like to come work for us?" And it was wow. it was really uh, it was really cool and. uh, we had it was just a really good time it was such a special thing for my family to get me to get my first job that um mm-hmm. my mom went out and flagged my dad down in the field he was out doing some working in the in the fields and stuff and she went out and flagged him down and so it was uh really a, a very special time and uh, just uh but no it was campus recruiting basically that how i got that
1: yeah but that first job is Always the one that's the most exciting, I think. It
0: really is, and I, it's the
1: I, one I, I, you remember.
0: I sure do remember. The only thing I don't remember, Rosanna, is the day after I found out I got the job. Too much because we, a bunch of us went out to the local bar and were celebrating. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it yeah. was well.
1: That was well deserved, right? It
0: really was. It was a, It was a really good. Uh, it was a really good thing. And then and, and it was funny because all my friends were like, Well, you you gotta buy. And I said, wait a minute, I haven't started working yet. I don't have any money yet. So yeah, yeah. very so, true. Yeah. Very true.
1: Yeah. Did how did you deal with um the aspect of being blind at that particular point in, in terms of the interview? Were there questions that they had in regard to your blindness as to whether you had the skills to do the The job that they were hiring for at that time?
0: You know, that's an interesting question, Rosanna, because it gets into the whole issue of when should you disclose and when should you not. Well, yeah, absolutely. The the problem is that for me was that, well, it's a good problem, and it's a good problem to have is that a lot of the things that I had done, you know, activity wise and stuff were in the visually impaired community. So it was a pretty, and I graduated from a school for the blind. So it was a pretty good bet that I was visually impaired. Actually, the interview that they did was, um, it was kind of interesting because they actually had me interview with uh, another blind, another employee who was blind. Um, at and at Bell Labs at the time had about eight or nine visually impaired employees. So one of the interviewers I interviewed with was somebody that was uh, visually impaired, and I could ask him, you know, pretty much any questions about accommodations or anything. This is for ADA, so you know, we didn't have all those kind of fancy terms, reasonable accommodations and stuff. This is, but I was able to 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 talk with him, and uh, you know, that was that was very that was actually really helpful because. Um, it, it was uh, a very helpful thing because what it did was once I got hired, was that the guy I interviewed, he um at first they were kind of like, Well, we'll get you the same technology Larry has. And Larry's like, No, he needs to get what he's familiar with, what he's comfortable using in terms of you know, screen reading and and those kinds of things. And so um they they basically um I worked with somebody to um, you know, get everything ordered that I needed and uh, all that stuff. So th- in a sense, that person, because I'd interviewed well with him actually advocated for me, which was really kind of interesting.
1: Well, it kind of made it easier for you too, because it did. Yeah. You weren't the first uh, blind person on the block, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really, interesting because it, back then uh, companies were not, as open to hiring blind individuals.
0: They were, but see, but one of the the blessings too was uh, AT&T Watts. I mean, they had. That's interesting. Uh, and, and, and at the time, I think it was because they had hired people and they had good experiences with them and they had good luck with them. So, you know, that they were, you know, they were a little more, they were very high on affirmative action, diversity, what we now call diversity, equity, diversity equity back yeah. then, right. back in the 80s. And so they, they did, um, uh, they tended to be a little bit more open about um, and, and willing to, to hire those of us who are blind or visually impaired. It was, there was a lot of things, though, at that time, as you might imagine. Um, that were not accessible to us. Um, Yeah, that
1: was my next question. What was accessible?
0: Yeah. Well, there wasn't a lot of accessibility. I mean, I was doing things like, you know, filling out timesheets each week. I had to have somebody come and do it for me. I had to have somebody read it to me. There were forms that I had to fill out. Obviously, all the placement forms and all of that stuff um, got uh, done, you know, by somebody in human resources had to uh, help me do all that as I recall, they were good about taking me into a private office where I could do that privately. So that was good. You know, I had to find, we didn't have Uber in that at the time. I had to find find a ride to and from work. And um, one of the things that they were really good about is there was a company newspaper that went around every week and they let us uh, visually impaired employees advertise for rides in there. And so that was, that was really helpful. And so I, um, you know, had to, um, had to find my own rides, had to pay them, had to do all those things. And so that was, you know, at the time that was, uh, kind of the way that was kind of the way it was. And, you know, but even on the job, I mean, some of the training stuff was pretty accessible, but some of it wasn't, um, they didn't, um, you know, it was kind of like, I mean, they could tell me, well, you need to bring somebody to help you because we don't have, and basically we don't have to provide you with an accessible versions of this or that and the other thing. Mm. Now they couldn't, now they couldn't do that, but at the time they yeah, could it's do different that. now. And, and did, and did in some cases. Uh, um, it was, it was, you know, made pretty clear to me that um, I needed to be able to you know, make sure that people understood what help I needed and be prepared to, uh, get that kind of help myself uh, as much as i could now um we did have we did have email at the time so that helped out a lot we did have online uh documentation but like when you had a document that you were going to have a review with a bunch of people at the time you had to print that out print out they'll get the copies made and take it around everybody's offices. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. was defi- it was definitely, a, it was definitely, we're definitely in a lot better time. And the other thing, Rosanna, that I would say is that at the time, assistive technology was pretty limited. I mean, I had vert plus and that was one of the only uh, screen readers that would work on a PC at the time.
1: And yeah. That was my next question. What did you use for a screen reader? you you using vert plus at the time.
0: Yes, I was. I, that I used, goes back
1: quite a ways. Yeah. It
0: sure does. Um, yeah. back in the 80s. And by the way, I had to teach myself how to use it because oh when, my goodness. Uh, when it was introduced, when it was introduced at uh, the tech school where I went, nobody else knew how to use it. Everybody was afraid of it. I said, give me the, the cassette tapes. I went home and I studied them. So so I kind of found my calling in assistive technology teaching a little bit because uh, I went home and figured out how to do it myself and then you know, taught others how to, how to do it.
1: All that technology paid off for you down the road. That's for it,
0: sure. It, it sure did. Yeah. It did yeah. Uh, No, that was, uh, but no, that's what I used. Um, I had um, had an old Versa point Braille printer.
1: Oh uh, my gosh. Yes.
0: Great, big, great, big beast. Um, I had, it was a single sided. I had a little scanner that could only take like one page at a time and uh, didn't work very well, by the way. So yeah, I used uh, one of the things that we we did a lot of our work on Unix at the time, and yes, so Unix, yes. A lot of that was command line based and stuff, so that part of it was actually pretty accessible.
1: Really, so, it was accessible. That's interesting. Okay,
0: yeah, Yeah. because it was all text based, and so that yeah. that that made it uh, that made it fairly easy to do. I got really good at like shell scripting and stuff back in the day. Cool.
1: And how long did you stay with AT&T? You moved on from there to SR? What was it, SR?
0: No, actually, no. I stayed with AT&T 15 and a half years. Oh, you did
1: stay that long? Yeah,
0: and probably would have stayed longer, except that um, we had layoffs in the end or the end of 2001. And uh, I unfortunately, there were like three rounds of layoffs that year. I got through the first two. The third time was not a charm. I uh, ended up um, getting laid off. And like I said, then went on after nine months of searching for work uh, to the center for independent living. And uh, besides taking quite a pay cut went into kind of a different line of work. Um, I worked at the center for independent living as a community member for quite some time. And um, actually went there and did some, you know, peer counseling work and advocacy and, and this time we're starting to get into Windows PCs and and uh, with um, things like window eyes and JAWS and stuff like that. So that made, that made life a whole lot easier.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yep. So I did that for about three years, like I was saying earlier, and then, you know, kind of missed technology. And that's when I went to the lighthouse.
1: Yeah, that was my, the, the one thing that I wanted to ask you about was, the your job at the lighthouse cuz that was fascinating i was very intrigued by the creation of the help desk can you talk a little bit about that that's awesome
0: sure um and um sure and so what happened was that uh, the lighthouse had gotten a a grant to set up this uh, adaptive technology help desk and so The uh, person that was working, the the guy that was running the adaptive technology center at the time was a friend of mine. And so he called me with the idea of his thought was, um, hey, Ray, do you know people who might be good for this position? Here's kind of what we're looking for. So I said, we'll send a job description. I'll take a look at it. So I did and called him back a couple of days later. I said, Bill, I know the perfect candidate. He said, who's that? I said, me. He said, "Well, we were kind of thinking about that, but weren't sure if you wanted to you know, were looking to move on or whatever." And I said, "You know, it, it was it was inter what made the position so interesting, Rosanna, was that I could take all of the years of kind of self-teaching and learning and getting frustrated with assistive technology and interactions with other software and turn that around and help others. And and that was what really made that such a neat, a neat job. And um, so I went into the lighthouse and that's mainly what I was responsible for was the adaptive technology help desk So we actually had a toll free number that people could call and they could get, um, I would provide them with the technology assistance. If it was something I couldn't solve, um, I had a couple of other guys in the tech center that were better with the magnification and stuff like that, that I could transfer them over to. But my equipment there was kind of interesting. I'll share it with you because I had basically two computers on my desk. Now, one was a, just a regular PC that I used to mainly do my my paperwork and emails and all that stuff on. The other computer had had drives that you could actually, you know, external, you know, had, had removable hard drives. So okay. I had I had Windows Vista, Windows XP, Windows at the time. Um, I don't think we were doing. Um, we we're still doing Windows ninety five, I think. At the time, we were still. Yeah,
1: Windows ninety five was. Uh- Was it right after, was right after Vista, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Windows, uh, Windows, Windows, Windows 7. um, Yeah. And then uh, we did the, so we had, so the idea behind that was somebody calls in and says, Hey, I'm using um, this operating system um, and I'm having this issue. I could put it in one of my drives and bring up the computer with that particular um, configuration and then guide them through that. So, a lot of what I did initially with the help desk was I would talk people through things. And so I have to have them either tell me what their screens were saying or let's try to listen to their speech or whatever. That got real tough because some, you know, everybody's got different quality of phones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I, I had some favorite clients, though. Um, I had <laughs> one of the mm-hmm. clients I had was this uh, guy who's from South Carolina and he, he was deafblind. And he 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 could use the phone, but it was difficult for him. You had to really talk loud. And so one day, one day I'm talking to this guy and my boss walks in. And he says, After I got off the phone, he says, Why were you yelling at that guy? I says, the guy can't hear. And I says he he has difficulty hearing. And and so he says, So then Bill realized that I wasn't yelling at him. I was just trying to help him. And so sure. it was, you know, it was. The thing about doing help desk work, and anybody who's done it knows this you meet people of all shapes and sizes and abilities out there. I mean, I had mm-hmm. one i had one person that I called me for something, and I said, Okay, press the Windows key. And she said, What's that? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta figure out how to explain what Computer that is. Computer
1: 101. Yes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Never had anybody though that thought the CD drive was a cup holder though. That was the one. Oh, well, that's didn't... a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was definitely it. But um, I had some, I had some, uh, and then the 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 big breakthrough and the big thing for me was when Jaws Tandem came along. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so nice because so many people use Jaws out there at the time and and still do. That um, I was able to, you know, get into their computers. In fact, in fact, I had one client that always called me for stuff. She was from Texas, and she would call me and she'd just say, "Okay, I'm let you get in there and do it," and stuff like that. So I'd get in there and you know fix things for her and stuff like that. So that really was a neat thing. We we looked at um, uh, tech had Remote Instant Manager, uh, Remote mm-hmm. Instant Management, that. Um, was even better than tandem because it would work with anything, but it was the lighthouse felt it was kind of expensive. And so we, we never went with that, but um, it was a really neat idea. Um, So um, then, but then I worked the help desk um, gradually as uh, one of our other adaptive tech specialists retired. um, I started gradually doing more and more of the regular adaptive tech work, working with uh, vocational rehab clients going out to job sites, evaluating, you know, looking at, at jobs and seeing what software might work best um, doing training, going out to people's homes and installing uh, software and, and training them how to use it. it. That was really a, that was a lot of, that, that's what I really enjoyed doing was getting out and, and uh, going out with people. I will tell you though, that when I first started, wanted to start to approach the uh, light powers that be at the lighthouse about doing that, going out on the road and stuff. Um, my boss was fine with it. It was his boss above him that said, wait a minute, he can't do that. He's blind. I'm like, wait, a minute, what did she say? Uh, this is the <laughs> Chicago lighthouse for the blind. That, that's probably not a good thing to say. Well, we finally got him convinced that, that I could do it. Um, the only thing was that um, they, they did They did ask that the first time I went to somebody's place, because there sometimes were places that, especially homes, right. that a sighted person go with me just to make sure that, you know, there weren't any safety issues or anything mm-hmm. like that. And once, once that first time happened, why I was, I was fine after that. And actually, you know, once, um, you know, once as, as we went along and I showed them what I could do, they they didn't even they didn't even enforce that. I mean, they just said um, I did have some of the guys drive me places that were a little harder to get to, but that was about the main thing. So um but um, so I did, but no, the help desk was really neat. It was a it was a neat service. Uh, I wish they still had it, but after I left, they uh they had one guy doing it for a while and then kind of discontinued it. I think something we really need, I think.
1: Oh, no, it was definitely unique. And I can see where all of how you started from childhood on the farm and worked and used those skills and transferred those skills into the real world as you moved into the work world. Yep. And today, I'm, I wish we had some more time, but briefly, I would like you to just talk about your work today at United Airlines. And I think it's really awesome that you have had a history of advocacy and you've dedicated your life and your work life as well to advocacy work and continue to do that now, uh, being on the board of ACB as well. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you do at United Airlines. That's awesome.
0: Okay. Well, I've been at United, uh, just a little over six years, best place I've ever worked. I mean, just a very, uh, wonderful people. And, uh, very open to um, things. Uh, I'm basically their senior accessibility analyst in digital technology there at United. So what what that means is that I help make sure that our website, our app, our kiosks are accessible to and usable by people with disabilities. Um, We're required to have the website accessible and a certain percentage of our kiosks accessible per the Air Carrier Access Act. Uh, But we have actually taken... Um, and I like to think that I had um, quite a bit to do with this, but also, but the powers that be realize it's the right thing to do. We've actually done a lot of work with our app too um, to make sure it's accessible. And so, um, so basically, as new features developed, um, I work with um, the the different teams, design, development, testing, to make sure that. Um, Things are accessible. I'm on the digital reliability team, and a number of our um, our my team members have become really good at accessibility testing, including with screen readers. Um, I um, help oversee our uh, partnership with, uh, in part, our partnership with uh, Level Access. That um, where when we have big projects, we sometimes will have them do an audit, um, and it's just been a really rewarding work and fun work. And it's, it's, uh, you know, something that um, I have a passion for. And uh, um, I think that comes through um, with, um, with United. And I think one of the, th- the biggest thing I think I've learned there at United is to how to communicate the need for accessibility to different people at different levels, everybody from leadership down to, Um, other, you know, testers and developers and design UX professionals and others.
1: I think that's awesome. And I I hope that other airlines would follow suit and, you know, look into the accessibility of kiosks and things at the airport as well. And I will remember that next time I fly United.
0: Well, (laughs) well, well, they have have to. So um, I'm not sure if all the airlines have people working, working for them that do accessibility Accessibility, work. Yeah. Yeah. I think some rely on, you know, outside companies to help them. right? Um, But United has just been very committed to, to that. And I started there as a contractor and within the first month I was telling anybody who'd listen that I wanted to get hired full time. And uh, you know, that, that happened. And uh, it was, uh, it was a really, it was great. I've been full time there now for almost four years, and just absolutely love it.
1: Oh wow, that's awesome! To be in a rewarding job like that is is really well, an you, awesome thing. Well,
0: one of the you know, and it's one of the things that Rosanna and I would say to anybody. You know, money's great, but if you can't, if you don't get up in the morning looking forward to going to work. You're not gonna. You're not gonna like the job. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I look forward to getting up in the morning, going to work, or going online. You know, as I worked from home during the pandemic and all that, and it's just, uh, it's definitely something I look forward to every day.
1: And what advice would you give to people who are seeking employment at this
0: time? Well, I would say, um, make sure, the biggest piece of advice I can give: don't. Um, don't sell short things like contract work, volunteer mm. work, because you know what you're going to get, you get, that gets you a foot in the door and you can show people what you can do. And if you show people that, that you can do it, that you can do a job, most companies they'll find a place for you. Um, and, uh, obviously the the second biggest thing, network, 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 make mm-hmm. sure be on places like LinkedIn, you know, you've got to be in there this, these days. Um, Make sure you got your resume up on things like indeed and places like that, because that that's where it's at these days.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree. I Ray, I would like to thank you so much for joining us in participating in our get to work podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you be a guest of ours. Thank you thank, so much.
0: Thanks for asking me. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, Love, love what the Employment Committee does, and if there's any way I can ever be of assistance to the committee, I would love to do it.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much.
0: You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Josted, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at comcast.net. Until next time, work it.